Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Faces and FinOps podcast powered by ProsperOps. I'm your host, John Meyer. Now, the Faces and FinOps podcast is all about highlighting thought leaders in the cloud financial management space and insights on how they're making an impact not only with their organization, as well as the broader FinOps community. Our guest today is Ellie Mansour, who's the CEO of Oscar Q Consulting. Now, I hope I pronounced it right, but I'm sure he's going to correct me. Now, Ellie is an accomplished cloud transformation leader with 25 plus years experience in the technology market and 10 years experience in the cloud industry, including four at AWS. Please join me in welcoming Ellie to the show. Ellie, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great being here. Okay, Ellie, correction. Did I pronounce your company right? Oscar Q? Oscar Q Consulting, that's the right name. And you even pronounced Ellie and not Eli. So right. that's, that's twice, uh, you know, double the points. <laughs> oh, I like that. All right, check that off. The next time I mess up somebody's name, we take away a point. Ellie, let's actually <laughs> jump in and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, so actually, as you mentioned, like, 25 years is experience in the tech industry, but over 10 years in the cloud industry. Uh, 10 years ago, I joined Rackspace to lead the business in Israel. Uh, I, it was the early days of the cloud, uh, where actually Rackspace used to have a cloud platform. Uh, after that, you know, AWS took the business and GCP and Azure uh, were born. Uh, Following Rackspace, I joined CloudElf, and I was leading CloudElf business in Israel. Um, and this is where I got hooked with the FinOps uh, thing. You know, this is where I got into my blood. Uh, so this is also the time that I understood that it's a FinOps. It's it's big. It's more than just optimization. It's more about it's more about everything. It's like a huge organization transformation that it's also a challenge for organizations to adopt. Um, and this is also when I I tried to sell, you know, CloudElf to one of my colleagues, Yair Green, who is now the CTO of Site, but back then he was the VP Engineering of Matomi. And I tried to show him some tricks and some how-tos and this, and he told me, hey, Ellie, but I'm doing this this way, and I'm doing that, that, that the other way. And this is where we connected and uh, actually authored a book together. Yeah, so uh, um, Mastering AWS Cost Optimization is a book we authored together. Uh, I, I can show it here. Many, maybe many in the FinOps industry actually, I know, read the book. Yeah, it's, it's doing well. And after CloudElf, I joined AWS for four years. A year and a half ago, I left AWS and started my own business, supporting organizations of various types in this FinOps journey, implementing FinOps culture, onboarding R&D teams, or even working with the Israeli government on writing the FinOps practice for the government. So doing a lot of stuff around FinOps, different type of organizations, um, and trying to kind of um, elevate the organization's FinOps uh, muscles, FinOps skills. So that's what I do on a daily basis and really excited about that. 
Ellie, let's jump back a little bit to the book that you actually, you co-authored with a gentleman who you tried to sell things to, Mastering AWS Cost Optimization. Now, the first edition was out in 2019. Yeah. This is, was before the FinOps Foundation was formed, correct? It, we published the book maybe a week, a month or two before the FinOps book got published. And coincidentally, both of us as a, as a bird on the book cover. I don't know how come it happened, but it happened. I know why I selected the, why we selected the Kingfisher uh, image for the book cover. Uh, I don't know, maybe we need to ask JR why they selected the, their bird. Uh, yeah, but it was quite a month before, two months before where, uh, you know, we, we were working on the book in the same time. Okay, so there's a first edition, second, and now there's a third edition. We know there won't be a fourth edition, but (laughs) (laughs) but with this book, you co-authored it with somebody you tried to sell to, and then you realized that you both had so much to share. You're like, hey, you know, did did you go to him and like, hmm, you know what? How about we write a book together and co-author this instead of me selling to you? How did that actually happen? So actually, we we were thinking about. forming the next generation cloud health and we didn't um, and then we said okay uh, let's author a book <laughs> um, it's a very long process it's a very tough process even to to author a book we kind of try to think if we have a, a structure if we have a methodology uh, because it's about a way of thinking finops so we try to see if there is a structure and we came up with a methodology that is really um, dealing with knowledge. That if you have the knowledge, you will know how to do ABC. You will know how to deal with Kubernetes. You will know how to deal with compute. So we started to build a framework, which we came up with a knowledge architecture uh, optimization um, um, kind of uh, methodology which since then it kind of a bit evolved. Uh, but once we had the structure, we had to put the content. It was a long process, but at the end of the day, uh, and with my experience, and of course with Yair, hands-on experience, which Yair is uh, one of the leading techies in Israel, really. I, I, he's really a top-notch tech person. So he did a lot um, on how to optimizing data pipelines and AI and, and so on. Uh, we collected some of the best practices, not all. Yeah, it's, the book is around 400 something pages. We could write 400 more, but enough is enough. Yeah, 400 is enough. <laughs> and three editions is enough. Now it's time to to deal with other stuff. Yeah, it's it's a very time, effort, mind-consuming process, um, which we did back then. So Ellie, talk to me about the name of the book, Mastering Cost Optimization. You're talking about cost optimization. How does that translate to FinOps? The book itself is dealing with optimization techniques. You are right that FinOps is bigger, is a organization culture. but if you think about 2018, 2019, then it was the early day of thinking of an organization culture and organizations were, weren't there. So 
And we are Israelis, we like to optimize stuff and we like to save dollars. So for us, it was the right uh, you know, focus, how to optimize compute, how to optimize Lambda functions, how to optimize Kubernetes clusters, how to optimize S3. So for us here in the Israeli ecosystem, that's you know what we felt is right. But actually what I do in OSCAQ is actually I implement the culture. So the book is about mainly optimization. There is even, you know, it, it's it's a bigger thing, FinOps, it's a culture, it has a lot of touch points with procurement, with finance, with operations, with engineering, with DevOps. So what I do in OSCAQ is actually connect all of this into one practice within the organization. But the book is about, you know, more of uh, optimization techniques. One thing to mention about the book is that it was published uh, uh, in Korea, in Korea, in Korea, and was selected uh, as one of the top 300 academic books for 2023. <laughs> so it's also something to mention. It's really interesting. Uh, it was translated by a techie uh, engineer in Korea called uh, Jun Hee Kang that is uh, very excited about FinOps in Korea. He actually is building the, is one of the FinOps ambassadors in uh, FinOps Foundation ambassadors in, the, in, in Korea, or is about to get to, to become an ambassador, is really into it. And he also did a great job in translating the book to Korean, which is also uh, something to mention. <laughs> Well, that's actually pretty cool in 2020 that it was, what, the top three. Ellie, let's talk about, you're a FinOps champion for Israel, correct? So I'm, I'm, I'm not a FinOps Foundation champion. I'm my own champion. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. you're a self-proclaimed champion, but I yeah. think the title fits you because, you know, obviously the book, the consulting company, you're well-known yeah. in the industry, and there's yeah. a lot of other things that we're going to talk about. In fact, everybody, I want to let you know that this is probably part one. We are working on part two. Ellie has so much to share with us. Ellie, let's talk about the FinOps champion in Israel and what that really means to you. Yeah. So in many cases, I found I meet organizations that they do some kind of FinOps. The DevOps manager implemented some techniques or some governance, or they both they 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 took a tool to do one thing or two things. But when it comes to an organization culture, when you need to onboard a thousand developers to pay attention to cost, or when you need to onboard product managers to be aware of their product decisions and how they influence cloud cost then it's a different thing. You need to onboard various stakeholders within the organization. You need to um, um, overcome politics within organizations. You need to over, you know, make people speak to each other, make people speak the same language, make people have the baseline knowledge to know what we are dealing with. You need to articulate the value that will come out of the process. Uh, so that's a challenge. And when I deal with, I deal with various types of companies. Yeah, it can be unicers and techie companies. And then I see that actually the process I lead 
together with them is actually impacting the company valuation. Yeah, we get to know a cost per customer. We get to know margin per customer. We get to know who is a good customer for us and who is not. Or maybe we get to know if a customer is costly, then maybe there is a bug in the platform. And we, from cost, from cloud cost, we get to know so much more than just how much we pay at the end of the bill and more than just whether it's optimized or not. So there is, FinOps helps the organization actually become better in what they do. It it become focus on their margin and increase the margins, deliver a more efficient product a faster product, more efficient product, then it will cost less. So it has so much impact. So that's in the techie organizations. And I work with companies like ADOC, like Orca, a leading cyber company, and Clarity, the same also from the cyber market. And I also support other types of customers or organization, which, for example, I support the Bank Apoalim, the leading bank in Israel, which is a much different ecosystem than a techie company. A lot of processes, everything has to be documented. Everything needs to fit the bank. A lot of dealing with risk management, yeah? What is the risk of dealing with the cloud? Not about how do I make it efficient, but there is risk. Risk to data, risk to be out of budget. And I also support the Israeli government I don't know if the audience know, but the Israeli government decided to be cloud first. So every project now that the Israeli government, every IT project has to go to the cloud. And uh, they selected AWS and GCP uh, as their preferred cloud vendors, which is a big shift. Yeah, Israel government is based on Microsoft. So selecting AWS and GCP is a huge statement about their belief on these two cloud platforms. And both AWS and GCP had to build regions in Israel in order to host the the cloud infrastructure of the Israeli government and all the ministries and all the public sector. Uh, So with the uh, Israeli, with the Ministry of Economy, with a team of the Ministry of Economic, I, I collaborated and we, Actually, one of my first projects at Oscar Q Consulting was to write the FinOps practice for the public sector in Israel. So that's also something I'm proud of. And all these projects who has to go to the cloud will need to follow a certain practice that had a major part of. Uh, tons of doing. <laughs> Ellie, I got to talk to you about the Israel government and the processes that you wrote for not only AWS, GCP, basically going to the cloud because FinOps is not centered around one cloud provider. And you also jumped in and said, you know, JR's quote is FinOps is not about saving money. It's ultimately about making money. And that's kind of the goal for the entire aspect. Talking about the government aspect and what your company does do you go in and do you implement anything but or do you write the processes and help them implement a FinOps practice within the organization? How does that work? So it depends in the different organizations. Yeah, techie, custom, techie companies, they need some tools. Uh, actually, those are not, not the tools that we, they, you know, they have tools already. They are, they are using different tools, but 
uh, it comes up to some, uh, uh, I would say, best practices that finance has to follow when they receive an invoice, that uh, uh, um, accounting has to follow when they pay the invoice. You know, one is approving, one is paying. we need to deal with operations about connecting the dots from the business KPIs to cloud cost in order to know what is the cost per customer. So with techie companies, it's more about best practices. It's I hardly write any any documents, yeah. Uh, but I do have my uh, my worksheets and that I use and reuse between customers. Yeah, but every use case is a bit different, but we do use, you know, we have, we, some customers are using uh, Cloudel for Finout or, or uh, Anodot or so on. So they do use tools and some use ProsperOps, of course, and other tools. But how do you connect them all in order to get the objective? And what is the objective? The objective is to, like JR saying, in the tech companies, it's like JR saying, how do we make more profit? And more profit is done by higher margin. Higher margin, we need to take the cloud cost down. There is a different perspective, and I wrote a blog about it when once after I joined the first FinOps, uh, FinOps X, um, not the last one, the one before. There is a difference in perspective. In the US and American companies, what I feel, we need to be in budget and have a successful business. In Israel, we also need to be optimized. It's, we need, you know, organizations has, they invest time and engineering work in becoming more efficient. That's, uh, you know, you spoke to Dreer for weeks, he deals, so he speaks a lot about financial engineering, how the engineers make their infrastructure more efficient. So Israel is a bit different in their perspective, but techie companies get it. They understand that cloud helps them make money, but they need to be also with high margin. So they deal with both. Public sector, it's not about making money. It's about um, uh, Deal, you know, um, accelerating R and D processes. Uh, it's not, you know, they don't make money out of it. They 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 serve the public, so they understand they need to do it in order to offer a better service, to bring new platform in a faster time to market. Uh, they are they have different objectives, yeah, but they understand that if they will not control cloud spend from day one, they will end up with a huge mess and with spending millions of dollars over the budget they plan. So actually, I'm actually very proud and very happy with the process the Israeli government ran because they did that from day zero. Before going to the cloud, they said, we need a FinOps practice. So that was actually a nice maturity indicator uh, for them to say, okay, before we spend, we overspend, before we get the mess, Let's do it right from day one. And actually, this is a slogan I use uh, when, I, when I'm introducing myself. It's like, let's do it right. We know the problems. We know the challenges. We know, we know it all. Let, but let's implement it in the right way for your specific organization. And one, best, one organization is different than the other. We'll find the DNA 
of your organization and will implement what is needed. Maybe a tool is needed, maybe guidance, maybe some enablement, some education, maybe a different tool. So it's, it's very versatile, I would say. It's different from one, one organization to the other. Elliot, I think the Israeli government is an exception to the norm of implementing FinOps from the start because not many companies will do that or they've already been fully established, jumped into the cloud, and then they realize, oh my God, cost optimization, I need to do that. But they didn't realize that FinOps is an overarching culture and cost optimization is just a small fraction small. of that. Exactly. You have to get everybody on the team. So my question, and I actually wrote it down because how critical is it for companies to think about this when they're trying to, when they're first getting off the ground, like let's think about FinOps when we go to the cloud, let's think about FinOps because FinOps can actually work for on-premise as well because it's just a factor of all the teams working together. How critical is it for them to think about and try to implement FinOps from the start if they're a techie startup company versus a well-established one? So in the techie market, they do not, take it from day one. They need to build a product, get the market fit. That's their focus. Then scale to 10 customers, 20 customers, 50 customers. And then in year three, they found out that they spent so much dollars, much more than they needed. And actually these dollars are critical for them because, you know, instead of, they need investments. So actually these dollars that are waste for no reason. So in many cases, they wake up, I would call too late. In my opinion, many, many, many of the techie organizations I, I meet. In some cases, they also think they do FinOps, but like you say, FinOps is it's bigger and it's touching many more people in the organization. FinOps is not only DevOps job, it's, yeah, DevOps are doing optimization and doing dealing with governance and, but, Many others, you know, developers are impacting what's get to the cloud. So in many cases, I meet these organizations like two years down the road or three years or four years down the road where they overspent for many years. And then implementing the change takes a year, takes six months to see results. Yeah. There are the quick wins that you can get very quickly, but they don't take me for dealing with the quick wins. Um, they they hire me after they implemented the quick wins and then, okay, what else can we do? And what else can we do is actually, how do we onboard the R&D team to the process? And that's a challenge. That's a key challenge I face. And actually that's aligned with also the FinOps Foundation uh, survey about what are the top challenges, I think, 33% of the organizations say that making engineering take action is the top challenge. I see this in all of the organizations. Uh, so it depends if people admit in it or not. And once you touch the developers, when you, once you touch the product managers, then a new set of magic is happening because they know how they build it, their platform. They know how they set the database. They know how they architected the data pipeline and they know what's wrong there. So they know how to fix it as well. So once you touch these personas within the organization, and there are many of them, uh, 
And once you give them the knowledge about, hey, if you do this, think about that, you deal with Kubernetes, you know, think about the the resource request you, you are asking, you know, in every service, there is what I need to know. Once they know that, a new set of optimization tasks is entered to, to the pipeline. It requires prioritization, it requires, you know, uh, justification, but uh, many of these uh, ideas have huge impact on the product, make make the product even run in a more efficient way. So are, those are getting implemented, but for your questions, in many cases, it's too, it, it's few years down the road, yeah? The Israeli government is unique by saying, from day one, we want every project to be implemented with one, two, three, four, five practices. How to control a budget? Who is control? You know how to how to set a budget? Who is tracking it? Who is controlling it? What do I do if I'm out of budget? Um, let's go to spot instances from day one. Let's be risk. You know, Israel is a spot country. Everyone is running on spot instances. We can do it the same. It's new platforms. Why can't they? they it's going to be, you know, microservices, Kubernetes. It can run on spot instances. Let's architect it for failure. So they actually do a lot of things. They 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 adopted a lot of uh, valuable best practices, and I'm impressed from that. And I was happy to meet these folks over there that were open to adopt these practices. But they are a bit different than what I see in the market. Ellie, 33% is the number of getting engineers. It's actually the top number one from the FinOps Foundation survey that goes out. And I think it's like year over year of them actually getting motivated to make the change. Yeah. And it's not that they're lazy. It, here's what it is, right? The risk factor, it's huge, right? They To make this change, they're guaranteed, they have to keep a certain SLA for the, and they don't want to touch it. It's running, don't touch it. And one, and the other thing is that they have too much work, right? So for them to go back and make these changes, mm -hmm. they have to now cut off new projects or bug fixes or new features that they're supposed to be implemented to go back and fix this. Now with the Israeli government, they're implementing this from the start. That means the engineers are motivated because the culture is already there. They've kind of encased it and said, hey, listen, we've looked at this application. It's cloud first. We know that it's built this specific yeah. way and we can improve it over time, right? That's what it sounds like. Exactly. And I'll give you one example of a project I, I recently ran with one of the organizations I support. So, uh, you know, my mantra is that if you are dealing with data, it's better to be aware of all the pricing models and all the different tools from day one before you bring all these petabytes of data to the cloud because fixing data architecture takes time and is very costly even from moving you know moving data from one tier to another costs a lot of dollars so with one of the organizations I support, we just completed a process. It took us, the engineering team, six months to implement. And you are right about the prioritization, about the fact that they have other tasks to deal with, um, the risk. They are changing the platform. They are changing the data architecture. They are actually changing the platform. But they get to a point that they have no 
no choice because they have to be profitable. They have to sell their product. They have to increase their margin. So actually, uh, they had to run this project. But for, for example, for the government, I said, if there is any project that deals with data, we have to have a data architecture approved that this architecture is cost efficient from day one before we implemented that. You know, what do you have to lose? You know, we, in any case, the Israeli government is hiring system integrators to build these infrastructures. So you can ask them, make sure the data architecture is cost efficient and show it to me. So they have the privilege of kind of demanding um, the system integrators, you know, the, the R&D centers to, to make sure, uh, but they know what to ask. So now they know what to ask. It has to be uh, scalable, but it has to be with, you know, scalable running on spot instances as first choice, but also if there is data, it has to be a cost-efficient data architecture. And it will save them years of fixing. Yeah, we know, like, like we said earlier, we know the challenges. Let's prevent them. So, Ellie, speaking of some of the challenges, I want to wrap things up here because this is going to be part one, everybody. We have so much more to talk about, and I'll tell you what we're talking about in part two. Ellie, to kind of bring things back together uh, for this first part is let's talk about the challenges. What are some of the challenges that you see immature FinOps companies make when trying to implement the culture? I think the, the main challenge is that they think they do FinOps or they think they did this organization change. So the one who admit that uh, the first start is to admit that you need help or it's bigger than what you think. That's, uh, that's a common theme, theme I see. Uh, admitting it, opening the door, uh, being more, you know, uh, getting help, I, you know, uh, understanding that you can you can benefit from help, it's something I see. Uh, so that's kind of an overall observation. But then actually, uh, uh, there there are the challenge which are service specific. You know, how do I optimize Kubernetes? How do I optimize storage? How do I optimize compute or Kafka or data pipeline, you know, how do I optimize something? This is another challenge. But the bigger challenge is to onboard all of the stakeholders within the organization into one objective. You know, in, I'll give you an example from ADOC, who are from the healthcare industry and they do AI for uh, imaging, for scans. Yeah, they, they help doctors understand to which to prioritize scans you know to on which scan i have to look at the whole organization was onboarded from the finance vp finance the founders of the company the vp operation the head of devops the once they all onboard the process you can do a magic and we managed to double to double their business for the same spend that's Huge impact on business, yeah, like JR is, is saying. But that's not all organizations are like that. They are like that. Like, like we mentioned that the Israeli government is, is unique by saying, let's build the practice from day one and let's force the practice from day one. 
Some of these techie companies like Adoc is different because they allowed the process to be successful. Sometimes it takes time for the organization to understand that they need to open the door, you know, for this process to be successful. It takes time. And six months to a year is, is, a, is how it, you know, that's what I, what I feel. Uh, but these are the challenges, you know. Understand there is a big challenge ahead of you and maybe you can benefit from support. The tactical knowledge about how to optimize stuff, how to do stuff, but the organizational challenge, the how to connect everyone to one objective, how to make people speak to each other, collaborate, prioritize tasks. That's the, that, that's the key. These are the keys to success. Understand that it's a big challenge, right? It's six months to a year. This is not a quick, easy fix. I actually want to put one more up in front of that. And you mentioned it right in the beginning is they have to understand they're not really doing FinOps. They're doing cost optimization and they're trying, maybe they're calling it FinOps. They're not understanding the entire culture, the entire thing that they're trying to achieve. All they're saying is engineering, go optimize all these instances, but the business and finance, it doesn't have a part in it. They're not actually collaborating. That right there, I think, sums up a lot of the companies when they're trying to implement it. The last question I have for you, Ellie, is we talked about what challenges immature, but now there are mature companies that have FinOps culture implemented. And I'm going to say like the Israeli government, but that's not my specific question. What do you see for mature companies? Any challenges that they're coming across when they not only have a well-established culture or they're still implementing it? So when you get to a certain maturity, I would say is once you know the cost per KPI, you know, the business KPI that you are doing in your company. And this leads, once, once they see that, that I can measure a cost per customer, a cost per scan, a cost per endpoint device that I'm scanning, you know, whatever the business company business is, then it quickly correlates to a cost per customer. And then the jump, and this is the point where I, in many cases, I get the attention of the CEO of the management of the company. And actually this, this process is getting the attention even of the investors and the board of the company because the, this mature level brings us to understand my customer, understand my margin. Who is a profitable customer? Do I, aha, should I increase the cost once I renew the, 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 you know, once we renew the agreement with this customer? Yes or no? Maybe I'm not making so much money, so we can, we, we shouldn't renew the, 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 so it's actually, starting to impact even the sales organization and sales operation because yeah what's going to be the quote for this customer uh, so that's kind of a next level of matureness and i think once we understand the impact of cloud cost on the margin profitability valuation then DevOps and R&D can prioritize. It's become easier to prioritize optimization tasks because we know the impact on the margin. 
we know the impact on the business KPI. So this is where, you know, it's open uh, new opportunities for further um, efficiency project or even to hire more people that focus on on governance or optimization because there is an ROI. We understand that if we hire a DevOps engineer, another DevOps engineer, we can do more tasks. These small tasks, are not, not only they save dollars, but it's not because the dollars they save, it's because they will increase our profitability. And that's kind of the, the next maturity level. I think the US, uh, the you know companies in US, are ahead in this state of mind. In Israel, it starts. Yeah, it was all about optimization. Now it's about margins, profitability, valuation. So with that, I think the the DNA of the US organizations is impacting Israel now. And I see the change. And actually, this is what I'm trying to do with these organizations, to, to bring them to this point. But it takes time to get there. <laughs> I was literally just going to say that's where Oscar Q comes in and everything. Exactly. Ellie, I got to wrap things up for part one. We have so much more to talk about. I want to thank you for joining me. This has been a very intense conversation. I really enjoyed all the information coming out of it. And I'm going to tell everybody what we're going to talk about in part two shortly. But Ellie, thank you so much for joining me. It was amazing. It was a great pleasure. You know, amazing to share my, my experience. I hope that everybody... Ellie Mansour, CEO of Oscar Q Consulting. Ellie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you, everyone. All right, everybody. I want to wrap things up because I want to talk about part two real quick, what we're going to be talking about. Now, part two is fully jam-packed. We're not only going to talk about Kubernetes. Uh, we have data storage. We have cloud vendor tool agreements. I wrote down a number of things from hiring to stakeholders to trust, having the right people in it. I mean, I think we even have enough for a part three, the way we're going. Uh, just bear with me, folks, as we got all this information that we're trying to share with you. And once again, this has been another awesome episode and discussion around Faces and FinOps powered by our good friends at ProsperOps. Be sure to hit that like, subscribe, and notify, and check out the ProsperOps blog, because guess what? We're out of here. <laughs>